This was very much a case of suck it and see. I sucked it and I saw, but I didn't see what I expected to. <laughs> Cracky, that's the kind of analogy you don't want to hear twice. Welcome to this week's episode of The Versatile Writer, the podcast that aims to provide help and support for like-minded writers. You may have noticed it's been some time since the last season. Season 8 ended in January. It's now July. Well, I've not been idle. In January, I received a publishing contract that had a deadline attached, and this meant all my time had to go into the book, a non-fiction one this time. So the podcast had to sit in the wings and wait. I do apologise, but thank you for waiting for me. If you're new to The Versatile Writer, you might like to know there is a Facebook group dedicated to the podcast, The Versatile Writer Podcast Group. This week, I'm looking at the dissection of a novel, Dream State to be specific. This episode will contain some spoilers. Some of you will already know a little of what I'm about to tell you, but maybe not to the depth of the topic. Others might not know at all, and I truly believe that whatever we writers go through with our work and our attitude towards it, our influences, our ideas, if one feels something about it, others will too. If not now, then sometime in the future. So talking about it means it can benefit everybody. At least that's the plan. I am sitting next to a window with cars going by and birds flapping and singing, so if you hear all of that, that'll be why. In 2021, I finished writing the revised version of a story that had been started about 10 years before, but for various reasons hadn't been finished. One of those reasons was timing. I had an idea for the story during the writing challenge in NaNoWriMo, but couldn't do anything with it because I was committed to writing another story. So I jotted down the idea and left it alone. After NaNo was over, I collected as much energy as I had left, because NaNo is exhausting, and one of the reasons why I don't do it anymore, and wrote out its outline, knowing I would go back to it later. A short time later, I wrote what I thought was the story. It came out at around 35,000 words, and I left it alone. During that time, I wrote a couple more novels, a non-fiction or two, did a six-year degree with the Open University, and then COVID hit. The fact that I mentioned COVID was that we lost a couple of dear family members, and the fallout was, rather morbidly, realising my own existence wasn't going to continue forever. Rather than be melodramatic about this, I realised that if I didn't go through all of my laptop files and, and see what was still in there ready to be completed, I might never, and I didn't like that idea at all. And this particular story that I'm talking about today jumped out at me. So the motivation to focus on dream state became very clear. It seemed like a complex story, and unnecessarily so, and needed simplifying because if I found it complex, so would a reader. And I don't like making stories overly complex, there's no need. For context, the elevator pitch is a writer falls into a coma and lives out the story she was writing. Another elevator pitch for the same story is, it's a book within a book. Reading it in early 2021, I realised the writing was rushed, the characters underdeveloped, and questions were, at best, unanswered, and at worst, overlooked, and the plot was a bit fuzzy too. In a nutshell, the synopsis was good, but the story at the time let it down. It needed major fleshing out. It's a romantic read, but also there's much more to it than just a little bit of romance. And it needed to be written properly, not the rushed jobby I did all those years ago. It needed time, 
and I was thankful that I'd written such an elaborate outline because it gave me plenty to work with. Let's take you back to that summer. I read it, jotted down pages of notes, had in mind specific faces of actors to assign to the characters. I've talked about this before on The Versatile Writer. Long story short, as a starting block, my writing process is that if I imagine specific actors as my characters, I then fill in their personality with my own imagination. But having their face there means I've got a starting block. This is also why you'll hear me talk about stories with movie directional terms, chapters as scenes, and refer to my characters as a cast, and having them audition for their role. This is also because I visualise my stories as movies. So first came the reread, and then came the dissection. And because I had the story written in full, even though it wasn't a fully fleshed out story, I was able to take the idea down to its absolute bare bones, truly deconstruct it chapter by chapter so I could rebuild it afterwards. I've done this before with other books too, so I know the process works. The dissection with Dreamstate was also trickier because it was, in essence, two independent stories with a single character, Lila, acting as a conduit between the two. Neither story could exist without this central character, so it was vital to get this right. If you've not read the book yet, and why not, Lila, a writer, is the character joining the two stories through her coma. The two stories are both romance in nature and genre, but one is happening in the hospital room and another inside Lila's book, which is inside her head. In this story, Lila is both main character and a plot device. Without her, nothing else can exist. I gave myself notes as to what happens in each each chapter, so I was truly building it from the ground upwards. I didn't recall another novel I'd written this way. It was a very logical process, something I struggle with. Creativity and thinking outside the box, no problem, but add some logic and I'm crazy lost. Originally, I concocted a few experiments with the characters and the story and resorted to highlighters and paper to create a graph. I believed this graph would tell me how much time was given to each character by way of which colour appeared most in the graph and for how long. It worked to a degree, although it wasn't particularly accurate. Then I created a bar chart using the same information gathering, but, as you might imagine, I got similar results. Colourful blocks of highlighter pens against each character name. It was a little helpful, and since I'm drawn to visual things, it did help a bit. This was very much a case of suck it and see. I sucked it, and I saw, but I didn't see what I expected to. Cracky, that's the kind of analogy you don't want to hear twice. That aside, I went back to Word and looked at the story structure. I got easily inundated and overwhelmed with what was going on, and then it crossed my mind. I could have printed the whole lot out and gone from there. I imagined the idea of me sitting on the floor with hundreds of pages printed out, surrounding me with lots of highlighter pens and lots of overwhelm. I achieved little by doing these experiments, but at the same time, I know if I hadn't tried, I would have wasted time wondering what the answers would have been. On the plus side, I got a box of highlighters, and who doesn't love a bit of colourful stationery? Instead, I did a bit of research and decided to invest in some new software. This is a biggie for me, as I'm not naturally techie-minded, so I had a massive learning curve with this free sample that I had. The software is Dabble, and I joined the Dabble community to see how it fared. Armed with useful information, I went ahead and bought it. I invested a few days out of my timeline to learn the basics of Dabble. 
but it was really quite easy to understand and there was nothing I didn't get. I even asked some questions on the Dabble community boards and I got some answers back quite quickly, including some from the founder himself. I felt quite special for about five minutes that they'd taken the time to answer me. So, fangirling over with, I got back to the novel. Then came story structure. I had to visualise the story taking shape, taking the shape of an hourglass. I had the wide part at the top, which represented five significant characters, with a few unnamed ones. Then the tiniest part, the middle, representing Lila, my main character and plot device, and the lower part, which was a mirror image of the top part, also representing five characters plus some unnamed ones. This wasn't intended to be the metaphor it actually became, but the hourglass shape actually meant a lot because there was a race against time with the plot and my own race against time getting it complete. Doesn't it show how clever your subconscious really is? I used the structure of interleaving chapters showing the individual romances playing out. Neither romance joined except with the linking character, Lila. Yet they echoed each other in different ways, mostly thanks to Lila's influence through hearing one romance and adding that, that colour to the other. In places, the story is a little surreal and the artist's colour palette does, in fact, play a significant role. If you keep the hourglass shape with the five people above and below joined in the middle by one, that helps with the dissection. The mirror image also served, in my mind, of the mirroring and echoing of how one car cast of characters influenced the other through the mind of a writer. There was quite a large psychological layer to this story, which became quite meta in a way, because it was a story about the mind of a writer who was actively writing a story, and all this was coming from the mind of a writer who was actively writing a story. This psychological layer messed with my mind a few times throughout the whole process. And there was more than just a psychological layer too. There was the initial layer with Lila, the writer, and her coma. Let's call that layer one. Layer two, the romance that was happening around her in real life. Then layer three, the romance happening inside her head. And there is a fourth layer, which, if I told you about, would be another spoiler. One per podcast episode is enough, I think. You can find out if you buy the book. Each couple had a supporting cast that included a friend, a guardian and a shapeshifter, each helping to progress the plot in each romance and the overall story. I had to be careful to allow both romances to progress individually, ensuring they didn't become two versions of the same thing. And I was quite adamant that the two couples consisted of quite different characters as well. Originally, it was 35,000 words. After I dissected it and rewritten it, I got to 110,000 words. That's an enormous leap and actually the biggest book I've ever written. Admittedly, lots of it was poor writing and a lot of repetition. So once all of that was removed and rewritten, it was nearer 105,000. It's still quite big for romance, but I intended to independently publish it, so, essentially, it's up to me how big or small it is. 90 to 100,000 is a good-sized print novel to have in your hands, and I absolutely wanted it to be a paperback first. With that kind of size, you feel like you're getting your money's worth as a reader. As time moved on, I shared my progress on social media, mostly Twitter, and wrote cryptic messages like, Wrote 2K today, loving my characters, or something similar. None of that is unusual for me, and the writing community on Twitter usually understand what that means. 
But as I found I was nearing the end of the story, I was beginning to get crushes on two of my characters. This is, again, quite normal for me. But also it means that near, as time was coming to the end of it, I didn't want to say goodbye to them, so began to procrastinate a little. Logic says if I don't write the end, I won't have to say goodbye to the characters. However, Logic also says if I don't write, I won't finish the book. So I sought the help of another writer to help me with accountability. I've talked about accountability before on The Versatile Writer. You can find that out in the last season or the season before, I think, season seven or season eight. I gave myself a practical timeline for rewriting the novel, allowing for a couple of sweeps of editing, readying it for beta readers, assimilating their comments, hiring an independent editor, organising the jacket designer, and then getting it ready for the final stages of publication. It's worth mentioning at this point, among my six beta readers, I had an American beta reader included to make sure all of my American dialogue was correct. Fortunately, it was. So essentially, that's how I got the book completely written and out there. I'm sure you've seen Dream State out there. If you haven't, I hope you start seeing Dream State out there. It's available on Amazon. It's also available on my website, loveofbooks.co.uk. I'd love to hear if you've done something similar with your writing. You can get in touch with me through my social media platforms, Twitter at SJBWrites, Instagram s.j.bannum and Facebook Sarah Bannum. I'm also on LinkedIn, Sarah Bannum BA Honours. I hope you've got something out of this episode and I'd certainly like to hear from you if you have. Thanks for listening to this episode on the topic of dissecting a novel and I'll see you for the next episode of The Versatile Writer.